Welcome to the Live My Dream podcast, hosted by me, Brendan Abernathy, singer, songwriter, and performing artist, traveling around the United States, living my dream, which I would love for you to follow along with on beabernathy.com. That's babernathy.com. On this podcast, I interview cool people doing cool things about their decision to step boldly into fear and make their dream a reality today. Hello and welcome to Live My Dream Podcast. This is your host, Brendan Abernathy, and it is a wonderful and hot day here in, what are we in, Mari? Marietta. Marietta, mm-hmm. Georgia. Come on. Yeah. We just had a great lunch. Taqueria. Tsunami. S- tsunami. Mm-hmm. Come on. And today on the Live My Dream Podcast, we have none other than rising star, <laughs> professional actor, appeared in Avengers Endgame. She's about to get her first mm-hmm. lead role, hopefully. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, Mari, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. How about, how about interesting fact? Mari, tell us an interesting fact about yourself and the most non-interesting thing about yourself. Okay. Hmm, I think a lot of people who know me know this, but I think it's still interesting. I was born and raised in Japan until I was seven, and then I moved to Marietta, which is where we're at right now. Whoop, whoop. It's funny because it's Marietta, but it's really more so on the edge of Sandy Springs, if you're familiar with Metro Atlanta. Anyway, um, I moved here when I was seven, and then for my most uninteresting fact, hmm... I like to keep my car volume on even numbers or increments of five. Perhaps that's interesting. That's different, yeah. That's so like something. two's good, four's good, yeah. five is good. Not seven. Six is good, but seven is not. Neither is nine. So interesting. Yes. Also interesting is that Mari is an actress. So give us a warm up exercise. A warm-up exercise that an actor would do? Hmm, well, shout-out to Barbara Benville, my coach at Just Breathe Acting in Marietta, Georgia, because she taught me this, so I can't take credit. However, actually, I just did it right before this podcast. Brendan witnessed it, and he probably thought I was crazy. Before I go into any audition or in acting class, before I film on set, I always just breathe really loudly um, sit and say, ah out of my stomach voice. Let's let's hear it. Okay. Ah. <laughs> we just totally clipped the microphone. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, Mari, you graduated from Georgia with a journalism degree. I did. And decided to go into acting and full-time acting. Mm-hmm. Which sounds terrifying to to me. What was it like diving in head on right after graduation and how did you make the decision to do that? Well, I feel like I need to rewind a little bit to get to that answer. So I grew up a dancer. I would say I was born a dancer because my mom was a prima ballerina. I'm different in that I was always more interested and talented at hip hop. Um, And so grew up dancing, loved performing arts because of that. My mom opened a studio in Yokohama, Japan that is actually still thriving to this day. Dance International in Yokohama. Check it out on Instagram. Um, They have some great videos and they really have grown significantly through the years. So it's really cool to see something that my mom started um, still alive and well. But so I grew up dancing at Dance International um, and always was interested in acting, which is funny because I didn't start dabbling with it until high school, but it was always something that I wanted to get into, but it felt like this far off thing. Um, 
When I was 16, my agent at the time, and still is my agent, Aris Golemi at XL Talent, he booked me on uh, a film called Drillful Noise that is a Warner Brothers film with Queen Latifah, uh, Dolly Parton actually also, because I just did another movie with her, which is cool. Uh, and I was on set for the first time ever. And it was the first time that I got to see like what being on a set and movie production in general is like. And it's really, I mean, incredible to witness and I feel like if it's your first time on a set you're really surprised at how much goes into creating this image that's what I love one of the many things that I love about movies is that it's really magic to see how the story is put together and at the end right you see all these names rolling in the credits um, and if you're a normal consumer just watching a movie to watch a movie you see the names roll and you're like oh cool a lot of people went into this. But when you actually sit down and think about it, that's so many humans working together to make this movie happen. It takes so many people to make one movie. Um, and I really witnessed that as a 16-year-old on the set of Joyful Noise. And so after being on set for the first time, that was kind of the instigator, uh, not kind of, definitely the instigator for me to um, explore another form of art outside of dance. And prior to that, I had just been so focused on dance. It was my life Monday through Friday on the weekends from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. Um, go home, do homework, school, repeat. Um, and then that movie opened my interest um, and willingness to explore something else. And that's how I got into acting. Fast forward a bit. I fell in love with acting and singing, actually. I trained a little bit in singing. Not to the level of Brendan, though. <laughs> uh, and I was at the crossroads of, do I pursue the arts or do I pursue college? And I realized the ability to even consider going to college is a privilege and not everybody has that choice. Um, and so I look back and I'm like, man, how ungrateful was I that I was like willing to perhaps not even go to college when my parents were willing to um, support me in that. Uh, but I obviously ended up going to the University of Georgia and I chose my major, whoop whoop, go dogs, uh, through process of elimination. And I got down to theater, dance, and digital broadcast journalism. And I knew I didn't want to go to school for theater or dance because I had grown up, you know, training in those, in the performing arts. And so I felt like going to college, why go for something I already knew I loved and was pretty trained in. Um, so I chose digital broadcast journalism fell in love with journalism, thought through those four years, um, and in those four years, I actually pretty much gave up acting and dancing altogether, uh, but thought in those four years that perhaps I wanted to go into um, radio, news, maybe a morning show called Mornings with Mari. Thought I wanted to do that for a while. She was also an orientation leader when I came in, and they had this whole skit that was called oh, like yeah. The Mari Show. Oh, yeah. And she was the host. I was the host. It was awesome. That's right. I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. Um, but then, fast forward even more, junior year summer, I had an internship at What's Trending, an entertainment news company in Los Angeles. And if I did go into news, I wanted to go specifically inter into entertainment news because that was, you know, the closest to entertainment. So it kind of tied my interests into one. Um, but as fun as that internship was, and as much as I loved Los Angeles that summer, it really showed me that 
pursuing a career in entertainment news for myself personally probably would not fulfill me in the way that I thought it would. Um, come senior year when my friends were locking in careers, um, I was at the crossroads once again of, okay, do I pursue a more traditional career? Probably in journalism, because that's what I studied. Or do I kind of go off on this ledge, quote unquote, um, and go for the more non-traditional and really pursue the original dream of acting and dancing, not so much singing anymore, um, but not against diving deeper into that. Um, and my parents were once again supportive in letting me pursue my dream of acting and dancing, specifically for film and TV. And so here I am two years later, two years into this journey, and it's hard to believe that it's been that long, but um, thank goodness I've made some strides. I have bad news. You missed the burrito challenge. Now, I'm not here to fault you. I understand things happen. But I just want to let you know that it was, in fact, the best day of the year and that we raised over $1,500 for St. Jude's Recovery Centers in Atlanta. Now, if that sounds like something you want to be a part of, you should go follow the Burrito Challenge at Burrito Challenge on Instagram or go to theburritochallenge.com because you can still support the organization, you can still support St. Jude's Recovery Centers. There might be a winter burrito challenge and the Burrito Challenge might be expanding to other cities. So you should definitely go follow along and have fun knowing that Willie's was the burrito champion this year. So go Willie's, go Burrito Challenge, go St. Jude's. You discussed that you had the original dream of acting and dancing. Your parents were supportive. And then you went to college and you basically didn't do anything with it for four years. Was it almost like there was a little piece of you missing for those four years? And then how did you tap back into that? And was it scary at all? Yeah, that's funny you ask that. Because those four years, I really feel like most all of my college friends didn't know that I even wanted to pursue dancing and acting professionally. I think people knew that I was a dancer in some way, shape, or form because of Greek Grind, which is an event that the sororities put on um, in Athens once a year. Legendary. <laughs> and so because of that, I think people knew that I could dance and that I was interested in namely hip hop. But really past that, I think most people didn't know that I was interested in acting and dancing. So when I started saying it out loud, which was kind of scary to be like, oh yeah, I'm pursuing acting and dancing post-college grad, super non-traditional. I think a lot of people were thrown off like, what, you act, you dance, and you, that's what you wanna do? I thought you were in journalism. Um, but yes, to answer your question, I definitely feel like all four years, a part of me was missing. And I would gain those little pieces of myself back um, when I would go to a dance class um, every once in a while. Or I did take two acting classes. Those classes sparked that in me um, again. But for sure, I definitely feel like a part of me was missing in the time that it wasn't my focus at all. And it was scary, I guess. I have to remind myself a little bit and put myself back at that time when I was like, hold up, this is what I actually want to do and I'm going to go for it. Uh, yeah, it was scary, but I'm very, very lucky um, and I'm realizing that more and more that it wasn't too scary because I had a support system and people around me that were cheering me on in that. It would have been a lot scarier and a lot harder if I didn't have a support system around me from my friends, from my family, especially my parents um, cheering me on 
because that makes a huge difference. And not everybody has that. Yeah. So moving out of college where communities so readily available and into quote unquote the real world how did you find community and how important was that to your journey as an actor your current journey as an actor yeah so right after graduation I was still kind of in this stage of saying I wanted to pursue an acting and dancing career but really being clueless as to what steps I needed to take to make that happen and everybody's journey is different um, it's definitely an industry where it's not one straight way forward. It's a lot of front doors, side doors, back doors um, in terms of how to, quote unquote, get into the industry. Everybody's journey is different. Um, but right after graduation, yeah, I was pretty clueless. Wasn't sure where to take class, where to get my headshots taken, how to put together my reel, put together my resume. That might be foreign to some people who are listening, um, but there's just a lot of steps and a lot of time and energy and money that you have to invest into beginning an acting career. That It can be really overwhelming, um, and if you don't have a person to guide you through that, it's easy to get lost and overwhelmed and give up. Um, but um, God is good, and at just the right time, he placed the perfect person in my life to be that point person for me. Um, my parents, at the same time, were downsizing into a townhome, and they were having garage sales to get rid of little knickknacks. And at one of those garage sales, um, someone named Melanie and her daughter, Lauren, were at my parents' garage sale. And I was actually inside at the time, but Melanie and Lauren got into conversation with my parents, and... Uh, saw some UGA stuff at our house and through conversation found out that I went to UGA, studied journalism, but now wanted to pursue an acting career. And they said that there was an acting coach who went to their church that they would love to put me in contact with. So lo and behold, I had someone named Barbara Benville's name and number on a post-it note in my bathroom, on my bathroom counter for several weeks and didn't didn't reach out for a while because I was like, you know, I'll get to that. Uh, silly me, I should have reached out that first minute because once I finally did reach out, I shortly thereafter started taking her acting class. Um, and then through her class, I found a community of actors who are very like-minded. Um, and that has been such a support system to add to the layer of support systems that I've had throughout my journey um, of actors who really encourage each other. I've been so pleasantly surprised by that because I think from the outside, it can seem as though people are competing with each other. And sure, I guess that's true in a certain way because only a few people can book a job. Um, but that being said, I have really been pleasantly surprised at what an encouraging community of actors that I have found myself in in Atlanta. Like, I really don't feel like it's a competitive atmosphere at all. I pe feel like people are really rooting for each other, and I've been really encouraged by that. I love hearing that. A mentor of mine at the University of Georgia shared a really cool story with me one time about a guy who was out in L.A. trying to become a film director. And he'd been out there for a few years, and he wasn't experiencing much success and eventually he called his sister and he said, I'm coming home, Like, I, I wanna be a film director, it's not working. His sister said, why don't you stop saying you want to be a film director and just be a film director? Mm. It sounds like you had a, a similar kind of epiphany at some point. Mm -hmm. What changed when you committed to being an actor versus wanting to be an actor? 
Yeah, it's one of those career choices, right? That it's like, oh, I want to be an actor. I want to be an actress. I want to be a singer. I want to be a dancer. It can seem like this fluffy dream to so many, but why? Just make it happen, and it's not that crazy. Sure, it's it can be really discouraging, and there's a lot of defeat and a lot of rejection, so it, it's easier said than done to just go for it. But when you finally do, it's not a matter of if it's going to work out. It's a matter of when. And also, there's not a clear uh, answer to success, right? So it's like, what's your version of quote unquote making it as an actor? If you're working as an actor, no matter what that capacity is, no matter what kind of project or um, wherever you may be working, like if you're working as an actor, then you are an actor. It's not that crazy. You just have to make it happen. And then, then you're an actor, you know what I mean? You just have to make it happen. So, so you're living your dream right now. I am. Right, which is amazing. It's wild. It's, what's wild about <laughs> it? Because I think I, I'm speaking to myself when I say that for so long. I, I saw being an actor, being an actress in film and TV as this far off thing. And now I am a working actress. I am a working dancer. And so what I saw for so long as this dream of mine has become a reality. And it's wild. However... Yeah. I'm experiencing it. I'm sure you're experiencing it. You just mentioned it a little bit earlier. Living your dream isn't always a fairy tale. Oh, no. It's not always beautiful. No. What is the dirtiness of the job? Well, I'll go with a cliche to start. In the entertainment industry, there's a lot of rejection. And that rejection can be super defeating and super discouraging. And it's really easy to let that get to you and make you question yourself whether or not you should be doing this in the first place. And it's really easy to give up and, again, go into a more traditional career that would be more consistent and stable income. Especially for me, like, after having graduated from such a well-renowned, renowned, I think that's the word, uh, journalism school, because the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication is a great journalism school in the United States. And so to graduate with a degree in DBJ, Digital Broadcast Journalism, and then to not use that, per se, um, directly in my career choice, um, it's easy in the moments when I'm not booking and when I'm getting auditions, but nothing really seems to be working out at the moment, to question myself and be like, gosh, should I be in a more traditional 9 to 5? Journalism jobs aren't really traditionally 9 to 5, though, but anyway, um, a more traditional job because this is really tough and it's a lot of humble pie to consume Um, but to be honest with you I've learned so much in in that rejection in the rejections because it can seem glamorous to your point Brendan because I have been very fortunate to be pretty consistently working as an actor and dancer this year in 2019 what people don't see in that though is the amount of auditions that I did have and how little out of those auditions I actually booked because it's been a pretty good year for me 2019 I've been consistently working and I'm so grateful for that however even this year in the midst of that there's hundreds of auditions that I have done and I mean I can probably count on Three hands, not that I have that. Three hands or so. Um, If you did, that would be an asset (laughs) in the acting industry. (laughs) True. Three or four hands, how many projects I've worked on, which, again, is such a blessing, and I am so grateful for every project that I've been on because I can 
totally see God's intentionality in what projects he has allowed me to work on. But what people don't see is how many things I auditioned for in the midst of that and how many rejections, even in the midst of the victories that I received. But it really builds your character and forces you to be okay with being told no. Um, And it's kind of a heart check of what do I find my worth in? It can't be on how many things I book or on how many sets I work on because if that's what I put my worth in, then heck, I am going to be feeling low a lot of the time because, again, I mean, the audition to how many things I actually end up working on ratio is (laughs) not strong. Speaking of auditions and rejection mm-hmm. and the classic creative scene and the way that that works i think that i speak for everyone when i say i don't know anything about the acting industry so could you tell us a little bit about the nuts and bolts of your industry Ooh, that is a big question my friend because there's not one answer and that's what I love about being an actor and being in the entertainment industry in general is because every day is different every project is different every role is different so there's no two same days Um, but in terms of how you get from being out of work to getting on a set as a working actor I think that's a good place to start you don't have to have an agent but it can be beneficial in many ways to have one. And I've been with my agent, Aris Golemi at Excel, second shout out, uh, since I was 12, actually. Not consistently, because when I went to college, I obviously wasn't being sent out to auditions or anything. Um, But he signed me when I was 12 years old as a dancer. And he originated as a dance agency. Did he just see you? in a dance studio and was like, this girl's got it. Actually, kind of. He came to my dance studio. He had a good relationship with my dance teachers growing up. And he came and, yeah, signed signed a few of us into the agency as young dancers. And through him, through Aris and XL, I booked Joyful Noise when I was 16. And then uh, we reconnected after I graduated from UGA and he found out that I was getting back into acting and dancing because now he also has an acting department and anywho. Um, So you can still audition for projects as an independent artist without an agent. I personally do have an agent um, and they send me out on most auditions that I do. Um, But to get auditions, there's a lot of ways to get auditions so there's not an easy answer to that. Um, But usually your agent will receive a breakdown for a project that Uh, they need actors for so say that there's a show filming in Atlanta and they need actor A B C D E then they send out the details for actors A B C D E and then that production company will release those those needed roles to the agents in the area and then those agents look at who what talent they have that would fit those breakdowns and then they submit their headshot and resume or any past footage that they have on that actor and talent and then if the casting director for this specific project uh, would like to see those actors, they request auditions from them. And there's a huge trend right now in the entertainment industry to self-tape. And what that means is that to save everybody time um, and energy nowadays, you usually self-tape your first audition. So you just tape yourself doing the audition at home. 
Uh, not all. There's still some in-person auditions for the first round, but self-tapes are usually the first round. And then if they want to see you for a second time, that's the callback. They'll bring you in person um, usually for the callback. And then there might be several more callbacks after that that are probably in person also. Does that make sense? Yeah, and are you like in auditions, are you just showcasing what you got or are they telling you you are a cowboy on the ranch? (laughs) So every audition works very differently. However, there's some auditions where you do walk in and they ask you to do something or act like something pretty on the fly. Like I've been in some auditions where they're like, okay, now act like you're at a birthday party or act like you're walking a dog. Those are two actual audition situations I was in earlier this year. Um, But then there's also some auditions that you have to walk in prepared to sing a song or prepared to dance a a combination that they sent out choreography videos for that you have to know before you walk in the door. And then there's other auditions where you have to come in prepared to um, deliver a few scenes of dialogue um, in which you'll have a reader, which is usually the casting director or casting assistant, casting associate, whoever it may be, reading the scene um, opposite of you. So every situation's different. There's not really an easy answer. And then what about on the set? Like, does the director tell you, ah, you're doing this or that? Or are they just kind of like, okay, go do your thing? Every director is different. Some are more involved than others. Um, I've definitely worked with quite a few different directors. Some are more, uh, they allow you to be a little bit more creatively free and kind of go at it the way that you feel is best. And then there's other directors that like to get more involved and kind of break it down for you a little bit more. Um, I appreciate both both kinds or all different kinds of directors in their own in their own way um what i love about being on set is that everybody is doing their part to make the show run without the extras without the production assistants the pas like everybody's doing their part to make the show go on without one department or one role it doesn't run smoothly. You need everybody to carry their own weight. Um, and that's what's really cool about being on set is because everybody is super dedicated to the project in their own way. Um, and that's that's how it works and that's how it comes together. You mentioned earlier that the name's rolling on the credits at the end of the movie. Exactly. Or, and I've never thought about that. I, I never watched that, right? So have you gained like a new appreciation for watching the credits and being like, oh my gosh. Oh, so much. When I first graduated from UGA, one of the first things that I did just to get on a set and learn and soak up, soak up, yeah, life on a set, I did a lot of extra work um, for a few months. And I'm so appreciative of what I gained from being on set as an extra because you're, you're really just kind of there and witnessing. Sure you, sure, you act in your own mini little way as an extra on set, but it was so beneficial for me because I learned who people were, like what what roles people were playing on set and what they were called. I didn't know that there was such a thing as a stand-in. I don't know if you know what that is. I didn't know there was not only the director, but all the producers, sure, the casting directors who usually aren't on set, but it's not one and the same, and the director of photography, the the actual cameraman, and there's just so many players on a set, and it's 
if you that's what I'm saying everyone needs to go on a set at some point in their life and just see how many people play into creating this image that you see on the movie screen it's insane because behind that one close-up right or whatever scene it may be behind that camera there's like probably hundreds of crew members sitting there making this happen um so it's enough to blow your mind it's really incredible to see people come together but it was so beneficial for me to be on set as an extra because I learned how things work, who people were on set, and also another layer. There's definitely a cast system and extras. That's a funny pun. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There really is a cast system, and extras are at the bottom of the bottom. <laughs> and to be treated as the bottom on set um, is really humbling, but I'm so glad that I did it because sure, extras aren't treated the most glamorous on set, but that was really humbling, one. And two, I mean, without extras, the show still cannot go on. You need extras to fill and make the scene come alive. So again, that totally goes back to what I was just saying, that everybody is needed to make the show a movie, TV show, whatever, come alive. And so now when I'm on set and I get to interact with extras, I always like to go the extra, haha, <laughs> another pun, go the extra, <laughs> go the extra mile and just spark up conversation and let them know that I'm appreciative of them being there because without them, no matter what their role is, even if it's pedestrian number 565, we need you because without you, it wouldn't be the same. And so I just want to let people know that I'm grateful that they're there. Right here, you can put in a song transition. Do you have a song request? I like that new one. The really slow one? The really slow one that you did in your bedroom. Five foot nine. All right, cool. That's <laughs> uh, thanks for not knowing the name of it. To um, the concert, I break up the mold. And we got faith. Time and gasoline With no direction But a one-way ticket Come along with me So let's set fire To fear and flame To the peanut choir I'm in insomnia Stuck on the edge of a dream So let's talk about lifestyle um, okay. Part of getting into the dream is mm -hmm. sacrificing different types of things. So what are some things that you've had to give up in order to pursue acting? And what are things that you gain every day from pursuing acting? Growing up, I've been very much a person of order and structure and organization and comfort. I like to know my plan and I like to have clear steps forward. In pursuing a career in the entertainment industry as an actress and dancer, I mentioned this earlier, but again, there's no clear way forward. There's a lot of interruptions, a lot of things that you thought would work out that maybe don't end up working out. It's a very fickle industry. Um, and so I've had to grow and learn to be okay with not necessarily having clear steps forward. I was actually just thinking about this last week. I was journaling about it. That it's interesting as a Christian in the entertainment industry, um, specifically as an actress and dancer, 
I've had to check my spirit in the sense that it's really easy to fall into the trap of always wanting more and more and more. But it's kind of hard not to also because it's a gig business, right? So as soon as I book a project, I film the project, and I wrap, I I complete the project, I'm back to the drawing board. To get more income, to get more work, I have to book again, which means I have to continuously audition in order to book. So it's continuously like you're just cycling through from job to job to job, which is one of the reasons why I love it. It's always a new day, but it's really tough because it's not like a traditional full-time career where you're in the office Monday through Friday. Like, you know what's coming a little bit more so, whereas in this business, yeah, it's gig to gig. And in gig to gig, it's really easy to fall into this trap, like I was saying, of ungratefulness and always wanting the next thing, always wanting more. But it's really hard because I want to be grateful to the Lord for all that he has given me and really find gratefulness and um yeah, just be grateful for what God has given me. But at the same time, I'm also like, I've got to pray for the next thing to come my way if it is God's will for me. Um, But if I don't work, then I don't have an income. So that is definitely a sacrifice, the stability that I, that I normally would really uh, desire. I've had to let go and trust that the right opportunities will come, come my way at the right time. And because acting jobs are not consistent and um, I don't have a stable consistent income every month on this date uh, like many people do have I've um, had to do my fair share of part-time jobs um, and remote remote work to to have um, supporting income things you wake up every day excited for in acting I try not to stay on my phone too much But it's also hard in this day and age where everything is so digital focused and it's all about the texts and calls and emails and most people have email on their phone and so I have a very bad habit of refreshing my email to be on the lookout for some important message that I might get. But I I wake up excited in the morning not knowing what opportunity might come my way or what news I might get. If we're talking specifically about my career, um, you know, a life-changing career thing can happen as simple as one audition, as one good review or booking from an audition. Um, A lot of the time that is communicated through email. So who knows what email I could get today that could change my life via my career. Um, On the other side of that, I, I had to learn not to put my worth and what I do book and what I don't book because I know that God's purpose for my life is much greater than any movie or any TV show or any whatever that I might work on because though those victories are to be celebrated and I want to do the best job that I can on every opportunity that I am able or every opportunity to be on set in any movie or TV show or whatever it may be like I know that Every opportunity is to be not taken lightly, but at the end of the day, it's fleeting, right? There's always going to be another movie. There's always going to be another commercial. There's always going to be another TV show, another song, another whatever it may be. Um, No matter what your career choice is, there's always going to be another blank 
So you've got to, in my opinion, and in my experience, I have to have a more eternal, greater perspective and purpose or else like I'm never going to be fully satisfied. Yeah. You said every day you wake up and there's an opportunity to change your life. And one thing that I've realized is every day we wake up, there's an opportunity to change the world, Mm. Uh, which is a cliche, big picture, hopeless romantic thing to say, but I stand by it. If you could change any one thing about the world, what would it be? And how are you working to do that today? One of my favorite quotes is by Kid President. It says, be somebody who makes everybody feel like a somebody. And I think in this world that is so digitally connected through social media, we appear to be so connected, but in actuality, we're really disconnected. I think social media in this whole digital age is beautiful in connecting us with people that we otherwise wouldn't be connected to. Like for myself personally, because of social media and the advances of technology, I'm able to communicate with my family in Japan. That's huge. FaceTime is huge. That's crazy that it didn't exist just a few years ago. Um, But on the flip side, look at kids these days. Look at families these days. Even in public at dinner tables, we're totally screen focused. Um, And with every good thing, there's a bad side to it, right? And I think that the bad side is we're so connected that we're really disconnected to what is in front of us. Um, the people in front of us, the surroundings in front of us. Um, And that's really dangerous waters, I think, to be in. Uh, So what I would change about the world, if I'm bringing it right back to the entertainment industry, the entertainment industry is such a powerful medium and platform. For example, Avengers Endgame. Most... Which, Which you were in fleetingly don't blink and you might catch me (laughs) i noticed you in there i saw it it was perfect example okay so in game i received messages from friends all around the world first first message i got was from my friend in thailand then in spain then in china my family in japan mexico australia that is insane that's something i filmed one day in somewhere metro atlanta georgia ended up in a movie called avengers endgame that was shown on screens all around the globe and that connected me to people all around the world so that's that's a good part of that right however it it goes to show that it's such a powerful medium that is so well received and we're entertained and i love it but at the same time i'm like ugh. I see so many of the messages that are being shown in movies these days and just the amount of information that is readily available at our fingertips. It's good, but it's also bad because we can get in this black hole of never-ending information that we can just get lost in it and it can consume us to the point where we're so disconnected to the our reality right in front of us. So. If I could change something, I guess, without sounding super cliche, as an actress, I just want to be in the entertainment industry telling stories that are worth telling and stories that matter. I look at the movies that are being made today, and hey, if it's entertaining and it's generating income and people are entertained, then 
I guess I'm all for it, but I just look at some of the messages that are being shown, and I, I just wish that, I don't know, more meaningful stories were being told. Uh, don't come after me, Hollywood. <laughs> come cast her. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> if you had an unlimited budget and you could make a movie over the next year, you could get any director, any videographer, you're the lead gal, you could get any cast, what story would you tell? So I actually do have an answer to this. Good. But <laughs> I don't want any listeners to steal this idea. And if you do, just at least a little shout out, perhaps a little residual would be nice. But I do have kind of a script idea, a script idea that I have been thinking on um, for a while now. A layer of World War II that is not talked about widely is the internment camps of Japanese Americans in the States. As a Japanese American woman, I actually had Japanese family friends that were um, a part of those internment camps. So it was a big, harsh, horrible reality for the Japanese Americans of that time. And I think that that's um, a specific aspect of World War II that's just um, not really well known and very much brushed over. So I've been thinking for a while, you know, I, I love stories that um, are historically true, and it takes a historically true event or topic, and it zo zooms in on a person's narrative and a person's story, because it really makes it relatable, and it puts you in that person's shoes. So I've been thinking about putting together a script um, when I finally get around to writing it, um, making a story about a girl, a Japanese-American girl, perhaps me, Brendan, um, <laughs> in that role of uh, a Japanese-American girl in an internment camp um, in the reality of life in those horrible camps and just making, making a story in that time period, in that situation, come to life. Um, yeah. I would 100% watch that. I feel like it'd be really interesting, and I would learn a lot through researching for that movie, I'm sure. As far as cast casting goes for that movie, it is crazy how often on set, and just not only on set, but it always seems to be at entertainment-related things where I get this, that I look a lot like Olivia Munn and Jennifer Lawrence. It's weird the amount of times that I get both of those names whenever I'm at an audition or on set, people are like, has anyone ever told you? I'm like, I know what's about to come out of your mouth. It's one of two people. Uh, so I, I think Olivia Munn would play a great older sister um, in that movie. <laughs> Actually, she was born, I'm pretty sure, Olivia, I need to make sure that I'm right with these facts, but I'm pretty sure she was born in Japan. She speaks Japanese, and she was also a journalism and theater major. So her and I are basically twins, and I think that we would play really great sisters. I don't think she's old enough to play my mom. Per usual on the Live My Dream podcast, Olivia, if you ever hear this, <laughs> Mari is open to collaboration. She's open to mentoring you. Oh. Uh, or perhaps you mentoring her. There we go. Uh, either way, <laughs> um, I think she's down. So reach out through the information in the bio, Olivia, and... Um, Pitch my music to your sync person. <laughs> so we're going to take another quick song break right here. This is one of my absolute favorites. It comes out next Wednesday, August 21st. It is called Fruit Loops, and I hope you enjoy it. 
By the end I'm gonna be staring Up on my knees around 3 a.m. Praying God it's getting late Go out for an hour, take a half hour shower But I still can't get to sleep I need space I need your love I need space So darling, I need your love So baby, just give me your love Part of dreaming is that dreaming never dies and as we move into different stages of life we keep generating these new ambitions. What do you foresee or you hope your place to be in the film industry? I'm not really sure where specifically I want my place to be in the entertainment industry. I think that's something that I'm figuring out day by day. But it's been really cool in Hollywood seeing the rise in Asian actors. It's so cool. It's so encouraging with Crazy Rich Asians coming out. Searching came out shortly thereafter. The Farewell just came out. There's so many powerful movies that are coming out with strong Asian casts. And as a Japanese-American, um, I would really like to see more Japanese actors specifically um, become more, uh, more and more involved in Hollywood. Uh, myself being one and it's an interesting time I feel like ethnic eth being ethnically ambiguous is a really popular thing right now in Hollywood so people say um, and I guess it's it's been a beneficial thing for myself but it's also interesting because being ethnically ambiguous I've gotten some interesting guesses as to I, I love that question what are you um, I've gotten some interesting guesses. I always like saying, well, what do you think I am? Uh, I've gotten Hawaiian, Brazilian, Russian. I've gotten some interesting guesses for sure. But being ethnically ambiguous uh, and being Japanese-American, it's, it's good and it has its pros. And I'm very proud to be Japanese-American. But it's also interesting because sometimes when I get an audition for an Asian actress specifically, I'm not Asian enough. And when they ask for a Caucasian female, I feel like I'm not white or Caucasian enough. So I'm in this weird in-between. And though ethnically ambiguous can look a thousand different ways. And so sometimes it can, I feel like, work against me. And it it's tough to fit the mold of exactly what they want. But that is a lot of casting in general I feel like they either want you or they don't and that's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not a talented actor dancer singer sometimes you're just not the mold that they need to fill you know so uh, coming out here uh, we got the portion of the podcast dedicated to Kyle Larson uh, good friend Kyle thank you for the inspiration of life hacks mm. so Mari dun 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 your life hack one life hack that I've really tried to put into action especially the past two years is to collect moments and memories and not things and materials I have tried to put into action more of a minimalistic lifestyle and I 
me and my family are fortunate enough to have traveled a fair amount in our lifetime. And when you travel, you really see that you can make do with a lot less than you think. Uh, I, mm, I'm having a hard time piecing this answer together. Um, you can make do with a lot less than you think. Um, for example, Brendan, can you think of your favorite gift that you ever received? When, or no, how about this? Let me pose it this way. Brendan, what did you get as a child that was like the best Christmas present ever? Can you think of what you got? Let's call it third grade. Third grade Christmas. <laughs> what did you get and why did you love it so much? Third grade Christmas, my parents bought me a red Ibanez electric guitar. Oh, and that's I loved a good it one. secretly oh, because I didn't want anyone to know I played guitar. So Aww. I didn't tell anyone I loved it. Aww. Timid little Brendan. Well, okay, that's a pretty specific and good answer. Brendan's making my point diminish here. But my point being, you know, ask ask kids, or not even kids, ask people what their favorite present was. A lot of the time you won't remember what you got for Christmas or for your birthday, even several years ago. Why? Because it's just stuff, and stuff are fleeting. Trends and Hot items are fleeting. It's constantly changing. However, trips and memories you'll remember forever. And in those moments and memories that you create, you're probably building relationships. And relationships are everlasting. So a few years ago, not even a few now, back in high school. So going on a decade of no gift giving, not because we don't love each other, not because we don't want to celebrate each other, be, but because gifts are just stuff. So instead, my family tries to take trips together, go out and eat meals together, because I'll never forget the trips that my family has taken together. Like, even the Disney cruise that I took as an elementary schooler, those are memories that are still ingrained in my mind. So that is everlasting. However, what I got for Christmas that same year, I probably couldn't tell you because it's just stuff. And not to say that stuff is bad, um, but we live in such a consumerist consumerist society um, and we're all about accumulating stuff and purchasing stuff. We want clothes, we want cars, we want bags, we want technology, we want the newest, greatest thing. and. That's, again, it's not bad. However, it can easily become an idol and we just constantly are never fulfilled and we want the newest, greatest thing. And then if you look at your closet, how much of what you have accumulated through your lifetime do you really use? And I think in my parents' downsizing process um, and in my travels, I just really learned that, man, I don't want stuff. I want memories. I want relationships. That's what really matters and that's what we're really going to take with us at the end of the life. Favorite country you've been to? Japan. Put it on your list. Outside of Japan, I really liked Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Yeah, not for the reasons why you would probably <laughs> think. <laughs> but the Dutch people were so nice. Dutch food. Yeah, beautiful place. Sam Van Eed. Go Dutch people. If you could live in any country other than Japan and the United States of America, where would you live? Oh, <laughs> Either Australia, New Zealand, or London. Oh, uh, yeah, nice. Uh, male co-star you would love to work, work with? with? Oh, that's a good question. I love Tom Hanks. 
Oh, yeah. He's one of my favorite actors, if not favorite. Oof. That would be an honor. I don't think, I don't get starstruck, to be honest, but I think being in Tom Hanks' presence, I would be. Um, I want to ask you questions. Sorry. <laughs> not, the, not the game. Um, oh, your favorite accent. Favorite accent? Um, I like speaking in a British accent, but I don't think I'm very good. We'll let uh, any of my British friends let me know how you think about, how you feel about that accent right there. Yes, please do tell me. Just give me a cup of tea and some some crumpets. <laughs> I, I'm worried that was offensive, but that's okay. Uh, okay. Book everyone needs to read. Non-self-help book. Okay. My utmost for his highest. That is an amazing Oswald book. Oswald Chambers. Oh, so good. So dense. So convicting. <laughs> so dense. Yes, you can't read it. like it's a, So it's a daily devotional, but you can't just read it quickly in the morning. You've really got to let it soak. It's also like one page. Yeah, but it's dense. It takes like 20 minutes to read one page. And not just read it, but understand it and then apply it. Ooh, you will be challenged for 365 days. Fiction book everyone needs to read. So it's fiction based off of <laughs> the book of Hosea, Redeeming Love by Francis. Uh, that Rivers. is the most. Next time they tell you you're not Caucasian, just tell them Redeeming Love is your favorite <laughs> book. <laughs> and if not either of those... I am currently, and I'm enjoying it so far, I think I'm on chapter five, Unscripted by Ernie Johnson. Ernie. Ernie. No, what? <laughs> Ernie. <laughs> Ernie. Uh, I'm reading that right now. Album. Everyone needs to listen to. <clears throat> oh, man. I knew this question was coming. <sighs> so I'm not really an album person. You might not like that as a musician. Yes, he's making a face right now, everybody. But I'm not really an album person. I just like songs from albums, you know? Okay, then three singles everyone needs to listen to. Ooh. I think I'm late to the game to discover this song, but it's called Just Jesus by Hillsong Young and Free. Three. It's like dash, dash, dash. I think that means three. Uh, And it's it's a mix of worship, right? I like how Christian music is getting with the times, finally, and adapting to a little bit of adding EDM, which is cool, because I think that, especially in Christian music and worship music, we like pinpoint it as it should sound like a very specific way, but it's like, I don't I don't want to put words in God's That's mouth, but I don't think God really cares about what type of music it is. He cares about the heart. He doesn't really care about the words. He's looking at your heart. And so whatever the tune may be, whatever the lyrics may be, worship music doesn't have to sound a certain way. And so why can't Christian music and worship music have a little bit of electronic dance music inspiration in there? And Hillsong has done a really great job with their new album, Just Jesus, Hillsong Young and Free. That has been my bop this week. Um... Another song, Five Foot Nine. <laughs> You're actually the first person to said one of mine. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, and then, oh, 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 oh. Alejandro, I don't know what his last name is, but his album or his name, his artist name is Scary Pool Party. Don't know why, but he has a song called Out Loud that I really like also. App everyone needs to download. I don't know if I can say an app. But a feature, you know, time and time again, just press that off button. <laughs> Final question. For maybe an, a young actor or young actress or someone who has loved sharing 
creation or sharing entertainment with people, but has kind of lost that as they've grown older. Or someone who's lost anything that they used to love as they've grown older, and maybe now they're thinking about getting back into it. What would be your parting word? Hmm. I'm just going to go with Scripture, because you can't go wrong with Scripture. <laughs> that has really helped me. And it's 2 Timothy 1.7. And 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but one of power, love, and self-discipline, or self-control, sound mind, depending on what version you read. For me personally, and what I would encourage someone who wants to go for some crazy dream of theirs, um, from personal experience, I would just encourage you to surrender and cry out to God because he's the only one that will give you strength that is greater than your own. Because I know for myself, if I had yeah, gone based off of Mari's power, like Mari is not powerful, but God in Mari is. Um, and with him, nothing is impossible, literally nothing. And so when you look back on life, I mean, will you be glad with the way that you lived it? Will you be glad with playing it safe? Or will you wish that you had gone for what seemed crazy at the time, but probably if you cried out to the Lord to help you through the baby steps to make it happen, it probably wouldn't have been that crazy. Sometimes we just have to put things into action and stop dreaming. Live your dream, my friend. Mari Kasuya, folks an incredible guest, an insightful speaker, and an amazing actor. After hearing her speak, I have no doubt that you want to follow along with her journey simply out of gratitude for those amazing lessons that she shared with us. You can do so by following her on Instagram at Mari Kasuya, liking her Facebook page, or shooting her an email, both of which will be below in the description. And if you know anyone that would be an outstanding fit for the Live My Dream podcast to sit down and have a great conversation with me about what they are doing, please do not hesitate to reach out through the Connect tab on my website. And if you just want to sit down and chat about your dream or your life, there's nothing I would love more than to do exactly that. Thank you for joining me for another outstanding episode of the Live My Dream podcast. I'm having a blast doing these, and I hope you're feeling encouraged. Tune back in in a couple weeks when I sit down with founder and CEO of Rugged Road Outdoors, Spencer Sutland, who has created a revolutionary cooler product and really just a game-changing company overall. Now, I'm going to take a couple weeks off from the podcast because I'm focusing on the release of one of my favorite songs, Fruit Loops. So in that time period, it's a great time to go live your dream. This episode, per usual, is edited and produced by Brendan Abernathy, and all songs therein are his own original works, to which he owns all rights. The theme song of Live My Dream podcast is The Rat Race, and the first song you heard today that Mari requested is called Five Foot Nine. Both of those are already available on all digital music platforms. The third song you heard was a sneak peek of the song that I'm releasing next week called Fruit Loops, which I'm pumped about, and you should be too. And as usual, I have a little nugget. Basically, to this time, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what's going on in my life. So a year ago today, um, I woke up and was feeling sad after a Taylor Swift concert. I just posted about this on Instagram. What's amazing is how everything has become full circle in a year and how the night before the Taylor Swift concert, I was thinking, oh, man, you know, this is going to be an awesome night. Something I feel something about it. But it didn't really turn out to be exactly what I thought it would be. Yet it still, in the end, worked out. 
to really change my life in a really cool way. So I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for where I am right now, even though I am learning that we are never where we really want to be. But we have to keep trying, and we keep running, and we keep running that race, and we just keep chugging along, and eventually we will make it.